Hello and welcome to episode five of the Games Jobs Direct podcast. My name is Abby Dickinson and I'm the marketing manager at Games Jobs Direct. In this month's podcast, I chatted to Bob Makin, CEO and co-founder, Darren Falkus, director of business development, and Danny Pratt, the marketing manager of Middlesbrough-based Sock Monkey Studios. This is the first time that we've done a call with multiple people remotely and over Skype. The audio does get a bit fuzzy in places, but generally it went fantastic and it was a great conversation about everything Sock Monkey has to offer. We talked about all the things that Middlesbrough and the Northeast has to offer, and it is a lot. We also talked about the importance of portfolios when you apply to work at Sock Monkey and the amazing culture that they're building with their rapidly growing staff. Enjoy! Cool. And so do you want to go around and just start off by introducing yourself and saying what your role is in the company? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. I'm Bob Makin. I'm the CEO of Sock Monkey. Uh, so I run it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Darren Falkus. I'm business development director. The three of us run Stop Sock Monkey. So we wear many hats, but generally my job is to bring projects in strategy, planning, resources, that sort of thing. And uh, I'm Danny, and I'm the marketing and communications manager. So quite a bit of emailing, social media, creating social posts, and sort of the marketing side of games too. So um, I know you've said a little bit, obviously, about what your role is. Do you want to go around and say what your day-to-day looks like? So the next question I've got on there is, what does your day-to-day look like in the studio? Obviously, I know for a lot of people, we don't have a normal day-to-day. But if you just want to do highlights, that's totally fine. We, I mean, me and Darren definitely don't have a normal day-to-day. We we start the day with a stand-up, which we've really gone into now on with COVID happening to get everyone chatting, get everyone online and uh, review the projects. But as well as that, have a little bit of a chat just see how everyone's doing, see if anybody's seen anything daft on the TV or anything like that, just to just to keep make sure we're all communicating and keeping in touch. And then really, our like I said, me and Darren were just running around chasing projects, organising everything, um, making sure things are running smoothly. It's kind of like general maintenance, really. It's an evolving thing, isn't it? Mm. Just to be totally nosy, how have you found it with COVID? Uh, it's been it's been all right. The shutdown was we managed it over a day. We didn't really lose that much productivity. Um, I think we, we I mean we all knew it was coming, so we we're all prepared. So we had a plan, um, and it was just kind of like I think it took us. We started on the Sunday evening, and by by Monday night, everyone was up and running. And the, the most important thing is communication. Just just keeping in touch with everyone, just making sure that we're so we've we started doing quizzes. I mean the whole country started doing quizzes and but quizzes, yeah. <laughs> doing virtual board games nights, gaming nights, and just just making sure that everybody's doing something, everyone's keeping in touch because we're we're very social in the office. Um and now we're outside. It's it can be quite easy to just distance and fall apart, I think. Um so we've really kept a focus and a big push to make sure everybody is talking and everybody's doing stuff. But overall for productivity and work i think it's been it's been okay that's good no to be fair to be able to turn it around in a day is is amazing that's so good i know i mean you keep i keep saying this to people but the games industry is obviously quite lucky that we have been able to kind of carry on largely as normal obviously it's not the same for everybody but i think a good percentage of the people that i've spoken to have managed to kind of carry on as well as they can anyway and like you were saying it's communication it's about keeping in touch and and doing those sort of things i think that's been a real positive that has come out of this i think it's been crazy as well because i mean i only started after the lockdown um oh wow we, we've never actually met danny <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that will be bizarre it's kind of crazy we were saying before 
oh we we have no clue like I could like be this really like super tall unclean person <laughs> like they have no clue um so it's been really great that we've been able to have the stand up and I think the guys have been really good at making sure that even the new people are getting that one-on-one time even though perhaps yes. It, we're not in the office and the whole office as a whole have really welcomed the new people and I've been able to sort of form relationships with these people even though yeah, we're there's, not in the there's certainly no normality about anything at the moment yeah like we said before the, the, that consistency of 10 a.m every morning we have the company stand up everybody's there we encourage them all to take part in it so everybody knows what's going on in the company and in each individual project yeah that's the consistency that we stick to obviously we talk during the day as well that that's one thing that everyone knows for a fact 10 a.m log on go on to the meeting just something, something that we have encouraged as well which is a bit unusual i think is encouraging people to leave the desk during the day you know, you sat in a room. We've been sat in this room, I think it's about 16, 17 weeks now. And sometimes you just need to walk away for half an hour. Just go outside and have a walk. Yeah. And just just get some fresh air and you come back and you just work three times as hard as you as you were in the morning. Happens it's happened to all of us and we just say to people, if you're feeling a bit a bit down, just just get yourself outside. Yeah, I think the first four or five weeks when we had all those bank holidays where mm. we just couldn't take them off because there's nothing to do, nowhere to go. So people are just we obviously we gave those holidays back in lieu, but there's nothing else for other people to do other than sit there and work. Like Bob says, we just try to encourage them just to get up and take a dog for a walk or go for a jog or whatever it are. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really good thing to be encouraging people because um, I, I don't know what everyone else's setups have been like, obviously. But for me, I'm literally sat on my dining table. Whenever I log off from work, I'm moving about six foot to the left and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, how have you found onboarding Danny, seeing as you never... Have you even seen the studio? Um, well, that was the thing. So sort of the first day, I think it was, Bob, Bob was trying to show me the studio through the internet and he had like his own with all these pictures and he was like oh this is this is this part this is and it looks like a really great studio um <laughs> be nice to see it one day when all, when all this is over but um no it was I was quite nervous but the guys have been everyone at the office has been really great and like I say even though I suppose it can get quite lonely being the new person because if you're not in a meeting, you pretty much have to just handle yourself. And it's been really nice that various members of staff have sort of sent me messages on the side and chatted to me, even if it's not particularly to do with work. They were all actually keen to get to know me as a person, which sounds like something so silly because you're here to work at the end of the day. But it made a huge difference, especially considering where um, we have been in this situation for quite a while now. And it was getting to the point where I hadn't spoken to like anyone in such a long time. So it's been really great. And obviously, apart from the work also, we have the quiz nights and things like that. And I think they do a lot to sort of strengthen morale. Uh, there's no one way to get into the games industry. There's no one set path to follow as much as everybody would probably like there to be one. Again, probably go around each, each of you. So how did you get into the games industry? Mine's a weird one. So this is my first role in the game industry. So I really owe it to Bob and Darren for actually sort of taking that chance on me. I've worked in marketing since leaving uni. And I always really enjoyed it. But weirdly enough, before here, I was actually at a bridal wedding magazine. So it's been a bit of a leap. Uh, yeah, that, that's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been um, it's been definitely quite a different experience. But when I was there, it was sort of what I always thought I wanted to do. And I told myself for a long time, that's what I wanted to do. And then um, I realized I wasn't really happy. And what I enjoyed doing was the marketing side of things more than what I did there, which was more the writing. And then, yeah, I've, I've always loved video games. And I, it was just amazing luck to find somewhere that 
I could combine the job I love doing with a pastime I love. I sort of got in touch and pestered and all sorts. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, managed to get into it. And it's been such a great decision. I have, I've loved every minute of it. So definitely, it's never too late yeah. to realise what you really want to do. Yeah. So also with Danny's experience, but she is a true gamer as well. She loves games. Mm-hmm. That's a key thing. It's a massive thing with the games industry. I've, I've done a few of these podcasts and the thing that just keeps coming up on it is that the industry is such a passion business that it's... A I think, I think it'd always be difficult if you didn't love it. You'd be surrounded by so many people who do. Hmm. Yeah. My my uh, entry into the games industry is a bit bit more generic, really. I worked at game all the way through uni. I called it the front line, working in the <laughs> trenches. Uh, learned a lot, actually. That that's some some uh, things I learned back then. I, I still use this day some knowledge and buying patterns and, and things like that. People how how they see things in the in the shop. Got a degree in animation. Got a, uh, a diploma of character animation from Animation Mentor and did some voluntary roles, like work for free type stuff, just to get some experience at smaller studios, indie little indie studios and stuff, and then ended up at Jagex as an animator. And then just slipped into production, working like Iguana, and then ended up Team 17 as a producer. And then we we left and started Stop Monkey. So pretty pretty standard stuff, really, compared to uh, Danny and Darren. Yeah, my mind started many, many decades ago. <laughs> um, I was a school kid, 13, 14-year-old, um, inquisitive kid. My dad brought his Commodore pet home from work one day, started playing around out with my brother, and we managed to break the software. There's a Space Invaders game. And from there, all these lines of code came up. I thought, oh, what's this all about? Just kind of self-taught from there. Just learned how to program. Um, made our first game, I think I was 15-year-old when it came out in 1983. Went on then from then to start a studio in 1988. Worked on 150 games at that time. Built studios, grown studios, sold studios. Just enjoyed doing what I do. Um, I can say more, more than 150 games worked on. Um, I got involved with Bob and the other Darren, who runs the studio, about 12 or 13 years ago. Um, we met randomly and been together since then. We've worked through Iguana, um, Team 17, and now Stop Monkey. So, as you say, 150 games you've worked on? It's at least that, yeah. Just, <laughs> just, just a small number then. Yeah, it's fine. It's just too knock many. Together I used to, used to count how many times I've been to America, then about five years ago I stopped when it got to 60. Amazing. Proper range across there. I like that. It is sort of a mix of sort of like veterans and fresh talent which is really great as well um, because everyone can learn from each other which is a really cool environment to be in that you're always learning from someone yeah definitely especially if there's uh, people who've been in the industry for ages there's always you know information to be handed over and things to be learned from experience that you're not going to ask straight out of uni unfortunately yeah yeah that's we, a- even though you've been doing it a long time the, the new talent that's coming into the industry now is amazing and to see what these people can do is just fantastic well we're trying to build a balanced team as well um, you know, we always try and hire as much experience as we can so like as Danny said so people can learn off each other and bounce ideas off each other and it's it's yeah it's an exciting studio to work in highlight to date oh gosh well I mean I've haven't been here for that long but I would say for me the highlight has probably been um since this is the first time I've really worked in the gaming industry obviously I've worked in marketing for ages but seeing how a game comes together for me the first time I was invited to one of those meetings and I I watched a game that was still in its infancy like it just blew my mind which sounds really silly because I've played a lot of games but seeing them in that stage for me was just something so amazing 
amazing to see. So yeah, that's probably mine because obviously I'm still quite early in this. I mean, that's still a totally valid one. I definitely want to see that. That sounds neat. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it was awesome. And I don't know if the guys will agree that it's not something that you'll get over or because even now going to the subsequent meetings, every time I see the game moving forward even slightly i'm like wow the people behind this are so talented like how are they doing this like it's awesome yeah yeah they, they are great and what they do is still amazes me after 30 odd years fantastic uh career highlight for me is a project a game that we worked on at sot monkey that i can't talk about because <laughs> it's done so much ndas but what i would say is something massive was when i was a kid i played a lot of worms um you know i can remember when it came out and I, we just played it for hours and then having the chance to go work on worms at team 17 was just you know life lifetime ambition yeah it was just a pleasure absolute pleasure working there no that's so good that, that's got to be the dream right work on your yeah. favorite game series work on your favorite game series the problem is though that once you've worked on it so hard and you've seen it and you've heard the theme tune for two years running you can't <laughs> you don't play it ever again <laughs> that i always think about people when they work on these just critically acclaimed yeah. everybody loves the game they never if, stop talking about them and everything's going out and it's amazing and all they can think is the last two years i've just been staring at this exactly i mean we we worked on that for two, two years solid and that is literally the only project i worked on and when it came to the end of it you are a bit like i need something else now <laughs> but um oh, i still play worms now it's it's great great game I was going to ask have you gone back to it since? Yeah, I did. I got it. Took me a few months, but I'm like, okay, I can I can play it again now. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, I think for me, there's, there's a number of them, obviously, but um, first game published in 1983 was just amazing. We'd go down to the computer shop and WH Smith and put the game on the top shelf just to get it to sell the next ten copies, or whatever. It's fantastic. Working on, we worked on NBA Jam. We did the Super mm-hmm. Nintendo and Mega Drive versions in 1993, and that became the biggest selling sports game in the world at the time. Sold four and a half million copies, and it was on 32 magazine covers, and just it was just amazing. Like being rock stars, it really was fantastic. <laughs> then again, another great game we worked on in released in 1999, I think it was. Man. So that was on PC and PlayStation. And the weird thing is, a lot of the guys at work played this game when they were kids yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> so that, that's a good point, actually, Darren. <laughs> so that's that's a bit of a career highlight. I won't I won't say this out loud because Darren will get uh get big head, but I used to play NBA Jam on my SNES and Shadow Man on my N64 religiously, <laughs> and then getting the chance to to meet Darren and Jason and then actually work with them was uh you know was a pleasure. Well, that's the thing as well. I think that's a huge thing. Whenever I hear about the games you guys worked on, you'll casually mention one. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I used to play that game all the time. And I think that's like, it's so insane. It still like blows my that's... mind every time one of them mention like casually one of these games. It just, just feels great, but it's made, it does make me feel older. But yeah, <laughs> I am what I am, so I still enjoy it. But then, yeah, more, more recently, I'm obviously working with these guys and Sock Monkey and building the studio to what it is now. And then we're about to launch our first original game, Fish Tanks. I think that, that is, again, another big career sort of highlight. Yeah. Fish Tanks on console and, and PC. But even after 37 years, you can still get highlights and, and enjoy doing what you do. We, we, we were chatting before and uh, Danny was minus 13 when I had my first game out. So, <laughs> minus 13. Yeah. <laughs> minus 13, yeah. <laughs> If you were to do another role within the company, doesn't necessarily have to be anything you're actually good at. What do you think it would be? Um, okay, so I think I would really like to actually be on the development side because, like I was saying before, um, I just love watching how it comes to life. Like it blows my mind whenever I'm talking to any of the guys that work on the dev team. 
and they just casually mention something they're doing and I'm like but how how do you do like that's amazing and they just think it they obviously don't think anything of it it's just it's what they do but for me I think it's just something really cool to sort of bring the idea to life through that um sort of programming so I think I would love to learn to know how to do that yeah programming definitely I think the the the, it's a it's like magic it's like this weird scientific magic and I've got no idea how it works I've I've tried to learn a little bit but um yeah it's just way above me it's just absolutely some of the stuff that pull out is the bag is just incredible yeah I think I've got programming as well I used to program probably 20 odd years ago but what they do now is just amazing and you need to do it full-time like Bob said it's just what they do is fantastic it's magic but you need to do it full-time to be a really good programmer and the guys we have are great well artists are as well sorry I'm not artistic I wish I was more of a logic programmer type thinker we need more programmers as well so if the three of us were programmers that would be really handy yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've got to say you are not the only studio who needs more programmers <laughs> that seems to be the problem but uh, no you're totally right I think if I think if I even knew that was a possibility when I was a kid I think I might yeah. have actually tried to learn any of it but Back then, I I thought I was amazing because I could like HTML code on my MySpace page. So I, it's nothing compared to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, these guys are so talented. It's amazing. So talented. I, I I've seen like bits and bobs of like backend stuff just from like previous jobs, and you just kind of look at the screen and I go, ah, that all makes no sense <laughs> to me whatsoever, and yet you've made something beautiful. If you weren't in the games industry. What do you think you'd be doing? I'd be doing nothing. From school, it's a hobby. I, I don't know anything else. I'm just mm. it's too ingrained. That's a good thing. You knew what to do from the beginning. I mean, I did as well. I just wanted to get into games. I didn't want to do anything else. I'd be a helicopter pilot. That would be quite cool. But yeah, when I, when I grew up, I just, I just wanted to be getting to gaming. I didn't have a backup plan. See, uh, I, I always just thought I was going to be like a famous singer when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I also, I don't really know what I'd be doing. I guess I'd still be writing for magazines but like I said it wasn't it wasn't really for me it was just kind of what I thought I wanted I'm definitely happy that I've made the move into gaming it's one of those things it's interesting it's like you were saying um before about if you'd known programming being a programmer was a thing I think when I went to uni and stuff it was you you weren't pushed into anything like that kind of mm. thing you kind of if, if that makes sense you're not told anything about like oh go into the game industry mm. and it's sort of very played down which I think really sucks because actually there's so many opportunities and it really is a growing market to go into working in the games industry I did have um, a chat with my careers advisor when I was leaving school in 1984-85, I said I want to make games for a living. And they said, well, you can't. It's not a job. It's not a real job. <laughs> it's not a real job. Yeah. Wow. Stuff you hear I am. There's a lot to be said for talking about these sort of career tracks. And there's loads of great initiatives, people going into universities and talking about like the games industry and all the different roles within it. And I think that it's definitely better than when I went, even though it wasn't that long. There is. And that's something that we we talk to the local council about a lot. And we've done some talks in schools and the Teesside University and Middlesbrough College are really good for game development courses. Um, And they run, Teesside Uni runs a, a international animation festival called Animex that's actually been running for about 20 odd years and I saw a poster of that and I knew that that was happening so I got to get a chance to go and see all these games getting made I knew that Darren and Iguana were there just down the road and I knew things like uh, Reflections are in Newcastle so I grew up in this in the northeast in this area of where there was little pockets of gaming industry and that's something that we are conscious of and that we know that we need to give that back to the the local area so that we're telling telling the kids today that don't think about it i mean there's how many kids are out there now playing fortnite and don't even realize that you someone's made 
validate that you know so that is something that we we do try and do a lot of is is give back to the community and plant the seeds for the future what is it that your studio does best? I think it's the culture that we, I think we've got a really good culture and we're a good group of people. We always, when we interview people, we make sure that their personality fits as well as their skill set. And I think we're also good at facilitating a, the creative ideas and encourage people to, to shout up about what they think. We've got a, a very flat structure when it comes to this. So we get everyone involved on all projects, um, listen to any of the ideas, take everything into account, you know, we, we, we really do believe that a good idea can come from anyone and anywhere. Great answer. I like that. Culture is always a good answer. Because I think that for some people, it can be very much overlooked and they'll just talk about the games. You've got you to get up and enjoy and look forward to going into work. Yeah. And we've done some um, some not so great, not, not great projects, but some hard projects the last couple of years. But people still get up and come to work because of the environment they work in, the culture we have. So I think it, it, does, it does just make such a huge difference as well, feeling like, you can have a voice at Sock Monkey. Obviously, being newer to the industry, it, it can be a bit nerve-wracking, but it's really nice to be allowed to sit in on the games and the meetings and actually be asked what my opinion is, whereas a lot of places might only care about the opinions of, say, the devs or the artists. But it's really nice for them to say, hey, Danny, what do you think of this? Does this appeal to you? And that just makes such a huge difference, I think, and it makes you feel a lot more appreciated in the office too. That's brilliant. And um, how many people are in the studio now? Or well, I suppose not in the studio, because you're not in the studio, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> there was, I think there was 22 when we left, and I think there's 27 no, I think or 28 now. It was 18, 19 when we left. Was there 18? Yeah, we're definitely 25 plus now. We're t- I think we're 28. We're talking about this the other day. Yeah, <laughs> so bad. We think we're think. Yeah, we're a head count. No one's been around. Well, that's it. We can't do a head count. And I've got all the num. Yeah, it's 28. I've got the list of names here. It's 28. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's so bad. But it's because, it's like Danny's saying, we've hired people through lockdown because we've had so much work on and, and we still are hiring people. And, and it's such a bizarre situation at the minute where we're, we're hiring people, we're interviewing them. But yeah, we've never actually physically met them and actually first Danny's day, first, yeah, first day, yeah. is going to be very strange isn't it yeah we're all going to have to get name tags <laughs> <laughs> but no it's brilliant and and seeing how they've all uh, just slotted in straight away and just getting on with everyone it can't be difficult for a dev whether it's programmer artist or designer joining a team and not having someone next to you to sort of chat think to things about but you know they've all joined and done a great job so yeah it's really good you're 29 if you include the dog <laughs> always include the dog always include the dog <laughs> She's trying to get involved. Ah, that's totally fine. What's her name? <laughs> Minnie. Minnie. Minnie the pug. Does she actually come into the office? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's got a little. Um, we've got a set of bleachers that we do presentations on and stuff, and we've got a little um, sock monkey shaped hole that she runs through. She's got a little pug run through the bleachers. She just <laughs> she just trots around and says hello to everyone. You need to come up with like a really official job title for her, and then she's, she's twenty nine. She's the chief morale officer. What are the more specific challenges you have to face at your studio? The challenges, it's, really, it's the challenges we set ourselves, like making sure that every project we do, we do better than the last and that we're always pushing the technology and the artistic side of things forward. And from the the, the business side of things that we're always pushing it forward so that we're getting uh, bigger and better contracts in or more interesting contracts or the ability like moving into our own IP. Um, it's going to be a huge challenge for us, which we which can't wait to get 
started later in the year. Um, and then the, the other challenge is just the, the keeping the culture fresh and continuous and continually uh, reviewing. Um, so we're always, always looking at how we can improve things and seeing if there's any issues and or, or any thoughts. And we're always talking to people and, and trying to evolve what we do. Yeah, I imagine that's really important, especially if you're growing as well. If you're still hiring people yeah. through lockdown, obviously you've got so much going on. It's not something you can sit and go, oh, culture's great. The end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, the nature of a company changes as you grow and it's just managing that as well. We're going from small studio to medium-sized studio, so it's difficult to manage that and all the everything that throws up with it. But it seems to be going well. Um, and then just the other other issues, just like every other studio, to getting games done on time and in budget and the best that they can be. The next question you're probably very versed in answering at the moment. So how would you explain the atmosphere, work environment and culture at the studio to someone who's never been Danny? No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, that thing again of um, open plan office. Everyone's encouraged to to speak up with ideas, whether it's about ideas for the game or ideas for the studio. You know, we've got all uh, the right um, processes in place to help people with HR and with benefits and and, and all that that comes with it. And it, it's just it's just a really friendly, encouraging, and creative atmosphere that I think we've we've built and we're trying to maintain. And build on. Yeah, I think I think you you get a sense of how proud people are of everything they work on. You know, even some of the more difficult projects. You know, there's there's no wind in the morning. People get on with it and, and do the best that they can. It's it's, you know, it's a very relaxed, fun, and enjoyable that aspect. I mean, even when we're working on uh, work for hire projects for other people, we've seen it where some of the some of the team might say that's you know that's a good idea, but if we did like this it would be either quicker or better or more interesting for the players or save the company more money. And we always feed that back to the company. I think the, the, the studio they're working with, I think that goes down really well that we, you know, we encourage the people who are working on it, who are deep in the code to, to come up with these ideas and to, to speak up so that we can feed it back and ultimately help the other studio either save money or, or make a better product. They're not allowed to do the job for the job's sake, are they? They're yeah. Involved yeah, in probably, projects, yeah. Contributing where they can. Those would be really important for you guys to try and keep that sort of structure that people can actually do that sort of feedback even though you're a growing studio mm. something, something we instilled from day one we're very open always an open door policy or an open internet policy right now but... so what is your favourite thing about working for the studio I mean I have heard that there's free breakfast when we do get back into the office it's amazing <laughs> check with Neil on that <laughs> I think for me, it's mainly just been the the people. Like I know we we harp on and on about it, but it it does just make such a huge difference. I mean, I've worked places before where that culture's just not there, and you do feel like you're just going to work, work, come back, and try and forget about your day whereas I go to work oh well I go to my office in my house and um, I work but even at the end of the day if something needs to be done I don't want to just leave my work I'm quite happy to keep doing it because the people I work for really appreciate what I'm the time I'm putting in and you feel appreciated and it just transforms a workplace when you feel like that I think I think for me as well the, the people the environment again it's so important that you get up and you look forward to going to work just the people you work with is fantastic everyone's a different personality every project we do is different it's just it's great all around I think to be fair if you're spending time obviously hiring the right sort of people and making sure they're a good fit it makes sense of their favorite thing about the studio and the um the uh, sock chat 
the uh, the little chat room we've got, which is just full of bizarre nonsense. Always, at, I check. You can check it at one o'clock in the morning, and people are still talking about random stuff. And you're just like, they're just, it's yeah. just good fun, yeah, to just drop in and out. And he's like, what are they all talking about? Is it all memes <laughs> and nonsense? Yeah, it's just like good stuff. Like I was telling them earlier that I went out for a jog, and uh, a bat ran into me. Uh, didn't run into me. It flew into me. <laughs> And then that that spun off into something else, and just the conversation just carries on, and there's yeah. there's all sorts of stuff going on. It's just good fun. You just see the personalities of people coming through, and the the fun we're all having, and it, you know. But that that's not a lockdown thing. Sock chat's been around for years, and people just you know, it's good to see that they're talking throughout throughout the evenings as well, and the weekends. Not constantly, maybe on a weekend, but it's good to see that they're like the mates. You know, they're not yeah, just yeah, colleagues. Yeah, yeah. Last week it was Liam watched Jurassic Park for the first time and said it was rubbish. Yeah. Oh no! I was like, "Who doesn't like Jurassic Park? Like, this is unheard of." Yeah, that is unheard of. I actually have a Jurassic Park tattoo, so I feel very, very deeply offended now. Sorry, I I shouldn't have brought that up. So, what is the best thing about working in that location? I think the best thing about Middlesbrough and Teesside in general. Teesside's like the interesting. Interesting about Teesside is we don't have a county; it was abolished. It was I didn't, when I was a kid, and it never came back. So we don't. Yeah, so Teesside is like five towns: Hartlepool, Dalton, Middlesbrough, Stockton, and Raker. And so you've got the northeast, and and we're like kind of at the bottom in between northeast and Yorkshire. And it's just a really beautiful area of the UK where we're right on the edge of the north. I mean, in our office, we've got we're at top floor of the office. We've got a three sixty degree view, and you can see the North Yorkshire moors and all the hills. You can see the industry. Good. The coastline as well. The coastline, you can see the town centre and all the green. When you look out the other side, all the green fields from all the farms and everything. So you see everything. Like the industry is kind of like you, you do get a bad bit of bad press in Middlesbrough, but it's just it's just it's nonsense. When we find that. Pe- Sometimes we have difficulty getting people to the area, but when they come, they, they don't want to leave. And we've actually had some publishers come up from London and say to us, like, be amazed by, first of all, by how much space we've got versus London. Yeah. Because um, things are a lot cheaper up here, houses and, and all the living costs are far cheaper. And just the views that we've got from the office and the fact that, you know, in 10 minutes' time, we can be at the seaside surfing in, in Saltburn, or you can be on the North Yorkshire Moors uh, walking the Cleveland Way, or you yeah. can go watch football at the the home of football at Middlesbrough um <laughs> which is Darren's a Newcastle fan but but that's when you're we're right next to the stadium there's there's a ski slope that's getting built next to the office there's new skyscrapers again built up and they're putting up loads of pubs and restaurants and shops just just outside the office it's over the next five years yeah appreciated isn't it it's just oh, uh, totally it, again a cost of living is very very reasonable yeah yeah we have great sort of transport links road rail and air to to all the major cities mm-hmm. you know we're only an hour away from newcastle york leeds we don't have the big city expensive cost of living but yeah it's, it's a beautiful area it's great people friendly people yeah very accessible you can you can we can get to london in two uh two and a half hours on the train um as darren said we're half an hour's drive from newcastle about uh an hour from leeds half an hour from york you know when we go to all the big uh, conferences as well san francisco and, and vancouver and stuff we fly from the local airport and just go via amsterdam 
so it's it's really well connected uh it's a really nice area it's a, it's a lot cheaper living expenses up here as well um there's a there's an area called yarm little town little market town called yarm it's, it's a great night out it's like a little street with all these pubs and bars on it and stuff and um and whenever we've got people up from london or anything we always take them to yarm for a for a drink and a palmo we call it chicken palmo and we uh we show them the uh the estate agents and what they could get and they're always amazed by the mansions they could buy up here compared to the two-bedroom flat in london so it's it's just a really up-and-coming place it's been revitalized but it's also a really good creative area my favorite thing the industry is blade runner that's what ridley scott went to uh, clean cauldron and design and, and, and blade runners that that is teesside and yeah, it's not as dead Dinges is in Blade Runner, but that, that's <laughs> inspired of Teesside and the, you know how how we were a steel working town that's kind of like gone into decline and this digital industry's boomed from it. Um, it's it's a really exciting and great place to live. I think the history of the area in, in the kind of tech sector as well mm. uh, is games like we we started out thirty seven years ago. Then there was Utechnics, Reflections, Ubisoft. There's always been a strong presence in the Northeast in general in the games industry and tech sector. The universities are fantastic and lots, lots of relevant software and artistic um, courses. So that kind of underpins technology in the area. Games industry in the Northeast is is only ever growing, isn't it? Because it's one, yeah, it's it one is, of yeah. those hubs the same as anywhere else in the country. There's a few of them dotted around, but Northeast is a big one. Yeah, I mean, we had someone come up the other day, uh, someone we're working with, and they loved it so much their daughter's actually moving up here. Really? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they live in Saffron Walden, so a nice expensive part of down south. Yeah, the daughter wants to move up here and enjoys the surfing, the coastline and just everything we have, have to offer up here. Oh, yeah, London's great. All the cities are great and we can be there. We can be there for a meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning, but we know we're coming back to the northeast, which is what yeah. we love. I, I do like, I lived in London for three months and I, I loved it down there. There's a lot to do, but it's nice to see trees that are natural yeah. and grass. It's nice to see fields yeah. and cows. Yeah. We've got we've got the country, we've got the cities, we've got um, a bit of everything. Yeah, and the only <laughs> exactly. place you can get a chicken parmo as well, so... That, well, you can get fake ones in other places, yeah, but not not, not quite the same. You tried a fake not one in Brighton, same. it's not, not the same. same. No. You tried a fake one in Brighton? Yeah, develop. Yeah. That, that's got to be the most southern the Palmo's been. With a with a Palmo, it's kind of like champagne's only champagne if it comes from a certain region in France. Yeah. And I think yeah. a Palmo's only a Palmo. Well, they are actually trying to do that, aren't they? They are actually trying to get it um, registered. So oh, my gosh. <laughs> definitely should. Yeah. Uh, Danny, do you have anything to add about the area? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the guys said it all. For me... I've, I mean, I'm born and bred up here. I'm, I'm quite sceptical about where the north ends as well. I remember when I went to uni in York, I told everyone I was going down south for uni. For me, it's always been pretty much all about the north and I wouldn't live anywhere else. It's just, well, I, London's great, but for me, it's always been such a great standard of living the north because you can be out in the fresh air whenever you want to be i live right next to the moors i mean i step out my house uh, five minute drives and i'm in the north yorkshire moors for me the best thing is just the area in general i wouldn't trade anything for it really the benefits of working in the studio what are your favorite ones do you want to list all the ones that you get for people who come and work for you there's a few that we've got like generous holidays we do drinks and and food for people we always have team events out we went go-karting last christmas bowling went a few months before when we had a, a few new people join pretty much try and match what the top studios can offer I think a lot of comparable aren't they, to the studios. But yeah. The ones we try and push are the kind of social and community ones and just making that people people involved and making them feel like they belong. 
And uh, but something that we do do is, and we're actually doing the minute is uh, we review our benefits every so often just to see if they're working, if people are actually you know using them, if we had discount offers and things like that. Um, if people are using them, we try and try and make them fit people's needs and wants, so that you know we might sit there and go, oh, wouldn't it be great if we got gym membership for everyone but then maybe not everyone's going to the gym so they might want something else so so we're always constantly reviewing and we've you know and upgrading what we've got yeah that's the thing i think at the minute we're putting a lot of time into sort of creating a benefits package that everyone in the office is going to benefit from Mm. rather than maybe just looking and thinking well we think that's that's fine. So we'll just go with that. We're kind of trying to think about the needs of the different people in the office and whether this particular package, they're going to get the most out of it, whether we're just doing it because it's easy and it's something that everyone else is doing. Benefits wise, we're kind of, we're really taking the time at the minute to put together something that is going to reflect the needs of everyone in the office. Right. So when people are applying to join your studio, what are the sort of things you look for with the types of people you're hiring? Uh, portfolio is the big one. Always looking for portfolio. So artists need to have a, a really good portfolio, um, a bit of variety is good but it's also good to be very um to know like if you're very good at um, i don't know environments or something in a certain style that's also good coders if you've got a github i mean we we have code tests and stuff but if people come with githubs that we can see and just review straight away um the big thing for me is a, a clear and concise cv that explains your uh, work history um, I think cover cover letters are nice, but portfolio it's definitely the uh, definitely the main thing. Yeah, I think I think seeing seeing what these guys have done, guys and girls, sorry, outside of just the work experience, you know, so they might work for Rockstar, for example, for three years, but seeing what they've done in the spare time, just to show that they, they have a passion and they enjoy mm-hmm. what they're doing, and, and just obviously ensuring that these guys. Um, love playing games or into games i think another big one is the hobbies just seeing what people like and getting a nice mix seeing they've got a passion for something so you know you can you can tell straight away when someone's got a passion for something you can you can talk to them about it and sometimes it's it's good to have something that's not gaming I, i play football or i play warhammer or i'm an athlete or something it's you know it's good to to talk about something else and just see what else is out there in their lives yeah it's good to have a good mix like like you were saying with the culture of people in the studio it's always nice when it's that it isn't always shop talk because i imagine for for some people if you spent all week working on a game you might not then want to spend the next 48 hours you've got off playing them exactly well i mean that's that's exactly what's happened to me this year we've got into running and there's a few runners in the in the office and i've i've got into it now and i've got into it so much i've got a spreadsheet that tracks all our uh, (laughs) tracks all our runs yeah it's got a graph in it and everything what one bit of advice or insider tip would you give them be very good and love what you do loving what you do and being passionate it's probably the biggest thing because I think you can see when someone's really passionate and sometimes perhaps um obviously I'm not someone who does the hiring per se but for me it would be if I could see someone that perhaps might not have quite the same level of skills as someone else but was just so passionate and you knew that they were going to work really hard and gain that knowledge they don't necessarily have the skills but the willingness to learn which comes about around the passion Mm. you know they want to learn and do be the best that they can just be really passionate about what you want to do i mean again that's the great thing about the games industry a lot of people are passionate about it 
So the last question I've got on my list is what does the future look like for Sock Monkey Studios? Uh, the future is very exciting. I'm very excited about it. There's, there's, I mean, to look at where we've come from to what we've got planned is 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 great. We've So we've grown to 28 people. There was two of us when we started. There's now 28. Uh, we aim to be about 50 by the end of next year. And some of the projects we've got in the pipeline are just crazy exciting. Like 10-year-old Bob is really would be absolutely buzzing to know that these what could be working on these types of games. Uh, I mean, 34 year old Bob's buzzing that we could be working on these games. So um, yeah, just there's some, it's always hard to talk about the future, isn't it? When you can't, um, the big thing for us is we've got plans to release our own IP starting with fish tanks, which will be later in the year. And then there's two more we've got, which will probably be over the one, one every year for the next few years. Hopefully we can push that to be successful. So we were able to release at least one a year following on from that. And then just, just building up the, the work for higher stuff a lot to every like I said earlier about more impressive games every time we do it more interesting but there's there's some projects that we're talking about and IPs are just really really exciting which I can't say anymore about of just yet <laughs> of course not no it's good though it's good that it's exciting and you're growing yeah. and that, that's all positives even though the world's kind of gone a bit mad so that's always really good yeah it's it's nice to be able to work in an industry that's helping people through this time as well you know and, and the fact i know it's it's growing through it but it's it's nice to help act as a, a distraction or a form of entertainment throughout it it's it's that's a really nice thing to be working in yeah i completely agree there's been there was a something that came out last week wasn't it saying more people are playing video games than ever before and it's like well yeah duh, we're all inside <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it, it is nice to know that something you're working on is obviously like you're saying helping get people through what it yeah. could be you know quite a bit of a yeah. crap period so yeah it's a bit of an escape yeah well that's the thing because we all we also have a sock monkey blog and one of the blog posts i did quite recently was on about the positive effects of games and i think um games have really helped people through this situation Mm -hmm. as like a welcome distraction we are very lucky that the industry is sort of flourishing in the current climate we're we're on the verge of something really special with Sock Monkey. Uh, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes. We got some funding recently, some um, VC funding, and and um, raised some capital. And we're just kind of going for it. Um, we've we've worked on some some great projects in the past, and the ones in the future, are, are, like I said, are really really exciting as well. Um, yeah, and we're just you know the whole studio is really excited about the future and 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 the projects that we've got. And I, I just think it's going to be a a fun and exciting place to work over the next few years um, as we as we grow and as we get these games out the door and, and see how people react to them. Thank you for listening to the Games Jobs Direct podcast episode five. This episode was recorded, produced and edited by me, Abby Dickinson. For any questions, comments or suggestions, or if your studio would like to get involved in a future episode, please email marketing at gamesjobsdirect.com. Special thanks this episode goes to Bob Makin, Darren Falkus, and Danny Pratt. It was a great episode. If they've convinced you and you'd like to work at Sock Monkey Studios, you can see all of their current vacancies at sockmonkeystudios.net forward slash careers, or you can check out gamesjobsdirect.com. You can follow Games Jobs Direct on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Our handle is gamesjobsdirect. The music in this episode is from Incompetech by Kevin McLeod. To find out more, head to incompetech.com. This episode was my last one for the Games Jobs Direct podcast, but we will be back very soon. This isn't the last of the episodes, but there will be a new host. So we'll see you soon.